Facebook groups can be really hard work. And the reason why I invited Zoe to have this conversation is because I really like the way she runs her Facebook group. It's very conversations led and I can see exactly how she builds those relationships. And those lessons, I think, are very valuable for marketing in general. Whenever you lead your marketing with relationships, you have a much higher chance of making sales but making sales to the right people, the people who you're compatible with. Now, many of my clients, they do have Facebook groups and you might be one of them who's listening. And the common issues that they face is that they put a lot into it. Sometimes they struggle to sustain that level of work. But the biggest challenge is that they don't get engagement and they feel like their work isn't really leading to sales. So these are the kinds of questions I'll be asking Zoe and you can hear her opinions. And regardless of where you're at with Facebook groups, I think she shares so much value that you will walk away with at least one or two ideas of things you can implement right now to just improve the results you might be getting from your Facebook group. Now, I think the biggest takeaway, and this is a bit of a spoiler, but the biggest takeaway from this conversation is that we often put a lot of pressure on Facebook groups or individual platforms to perform, to lead to sales. But the truth is that different platforms might play different roles in your business. So it could be that through something like a Facebook group, you don't actually make loads of sales, but through the membership questions, you're building that email list and you're communicating with people via email. And that's where you start those conversations and make those sales. I think that's a really valuable takeaway because it alleviates some of that pressure if you are someone who is struggling with your Facebook group. But anyway, I will hand over to Zoe and let you listen to our conversation. I hope you enjoy. Welcome to the Upgrade Your Education Business podcast. I'm your host, Samantha, and I'm so pleased you're here. As an education business owner myself and a former teacher, I understand the nuances that only apply to us. So in this podcast, I share fluff-free, tailored and actionable ideas that you can mould to suit your needs. If you'd like to take this conversation further, please do reach out. I would love to meet you. And finally, it would mean the world to me if you could leave a review. That way, you'll be helping me help more people. Thank you for tuning in. Enjoy. Welcome, Zoe. Welcome to the podcast. I'm so pleased you're here. I've been meaning to contact you actually for ages. And you're here to talk all about Facebook groups, aren't you? I am. Thank you. Thank you for inviting me. I know we sort of see, you see each other's names, don't you, online? Yeah. Oh, that person. We should definitely connect more. Uh, so, yeah, thank you for inviting me. No, pleasure. Absolute pleasure. And I'm looking forward to um, being on yours, which we're recording straight after this. So I think we're going to be quite talked out, aren't we? Yeah, double whammy. <laughs> so, Zoe, before I launch into some um, really good Facebook questions that I think that people will be interested in, could you quickly introduce yourself? Yeah, so I'm Zoe McEwen. I am a sort of a community strategist, really. I am not a huge uh, social media expert or fan, particularly. I choose Facebook groups because I think they work best, but I'm not uh, I'm not an advocate of Facebook, particularly. You know, it's not um, something that I would say um, is always going to work for everybody. But um, I do think you should grow your community somewhere. And for me, everything I teach and everything I do is really around conversation. So I have found that Facebook groups are the best place 
to get engaged in those conversations. But it might be that your community is on an email list or on another platform and and that's fine. Kind of what I teach does work in most places anyway. Okay. So you would say that your focus is more centered around community building as opposed to you saying Facebook groups are the only way to go to do it. Yes. Yeah. I would say that. I would say uh you know I work with people who who don't love a Facebook group, who have a community somewhere else who they are um you know growing their audience on another platform which is absolutely fine the kind of the same principles work but for me and for the vast majority of the people that I work with um Facebook groups are a quick easy free way to do it yeah yeah okay well I mean I would say majority of my clients and so I'm going to assume my listeners as well they're in one of two positions they either have a Facebook group but they struggle with it a little bit or they are thinking about a Facebook group, but they're really not sure how to go about it and how to approach it. And I would say that for the people who are who have a Facebook group, what I find is they tend to feel like they're working really hard and they're just getting very little back, whether it's engagement, whether it's paying clients. And I would say that's specifically really common with, with tutors. Um, but also a lot of people recognize it could be a valuable tool in their business, but they really struggle to sustain the effort that's needed because it, it's hard work, isn't it? Um, so I realize I'm asking kind of two questions rolled into one. So feel free to separate them. But what would be your advice to people who are struggling or who are a bit worried about the level of effort it takes? Yeah, I agree. Um, those are both really common issues that I hear all the time. And both of them are kind of solved by the same thing, really. So if you are somebody that's started a Facebook group and you're struggling because of the level of effort and you're not getting something back in return, it's probably because you're focusing too much, too heavily on tutoring. Let's presume, you know, that's the thing that they're, you know, maths or talking about English or whatever. Um, When actually the vast majority of what I teach is really that the person is that they are probably more interested in getting to know you. And if they can get to know you, they are probably more likely to buy your whatever it is. And if you have, if you're thinking, I want to set up a Facebook group, but I hear it's just so much work and, and I'm already doing, I'm trying to be visible on Instagram and I've started TikTok and I've got my emails and I do my profile and maybe got a business page already. Why would I add in a Facebook group? That's surely really hard work. And for me, a Facebook group is where you grow that community, is where you can really identify that those people in your Facebook group should be potentially um, people that really want to get to know you, to work with you. So it's like all of the other things for me would sort of fill in at the top. So you've got people coming in from Instagram, from TikTok, from email list, wherever you're, you know, um, visible. But your Facebook group is really around building that community where very quickly you can use it as part of a sales process for your business. So rather than seeing it as just another platform or part of your social media, your Facebook group should be a really slick sales process, a business activity. It's not a hobby. It's not a sideline. It's not a drain on your time. It's not an effort because you see it working. And once you see it working and you can move people through your group, 
really quite quickly. Um, that's another thing that people do is they just allow people to just sit in there for as long as they like. Um, and that eventually just drains both sides. Um, so if you see it as a, as a place that you get people in for a short space of time, you make sure that you've got to know each other, made some connections and that they know what your paid services are and the benefit of them really, really quickly. You, you know, and you should start to see rewards really soon. Um, you've got about two weeks to get those people kind of loyal to you. And even if you've got a tiny group of maybe 10, 20 people, uh, it should still be a sales process right from the very beginning. So once you start to see rewards, if you're doing it in the right way, then the effort becomes worth it. I've got a few questions just off the back of that. You, you've put so many useful, you've said so many useful things there. You mentioned about this, it being this slick sales process and quite a fast sales process. Um, I'm not going to ask you to share the sales process because I'm sure that's what you share with your paid clients. But do you have any top tips for anyone who just needs to, they need to gain a bit of momentum. You know, they they might, you know, take a course or something like that. But before they do, they need to have faith in this working. What top tips would you give them to turn it into a slick process? Yeah. So imagine these people are in your world where you're visible. They then decide they want to find out a bit more. They come into your group. They answer the entry questions. That's the first thing. So what we want throughout this process is always making it clear that this is reciprocal. Like if you don't do this bit, then I'm not going to help you with this bit um, because we don't just want passive viewers in here. That's not what your group is about. If you're just in there posting and nobody's commenting, well, there's just no point in having a Facebook group. It is around getting to know each other. It is around conversations. That's how it survives. Um, otherwise, you know, the algorithm, everything, it just it just doesn't flow without conversation. Um, so I think being clear on the purpose of the group for you is the first thing. Why have you got this group? And I mean really specifically, why have you got this group? Because if it's just around more visibility, it's not going to work. If it's just around, uh, I want to get to know some more people, um, th th that's just too wishy-washy. We need to be really specific. I need two new tutoring clients a month from my group. And if you can set yourself a target like that, it will work more efficiently for you because you will start to think differently about the group and start to think, I need to look for, where can I find those two clients? And you will, in a good way, because you're trying to help those people and understand what it is they want and why they've come further and closer and closer and closer to this more intimate space of yours, you will start to think, well, I'm going to work the room. I need to get to know everybody in here. I need to find out what it is they want from me. And I need to make sure that they know where they can access that. And that's like in its simplest form, that's what you're doing. If you've got 50 people in your group, you want to make sure that you've spoken to all of those 50 or at least, you know, as many as you can. And that involves um, a huge variety of content as wide as you can get it and looking for conversations and wanting to get to know those people in there. If you just want to like and heart, or you just want to dead end a conversation, a Facebook group is going to be tricky. You may as well probably stay on Instagram. Um, but if you're interested in genuinely having conversations, finding out what people want, seeing if it's a match, and I'm, I talk a lot about looking for a match, 
you want to look for a match between what they were struggling with, the reason they joined your group, and, and often that very first day is the most important day, the reason they join your group that day, what is it they're struggling with? And if you've got a match for that, something that can solve that and help them, it it makes sense to me to explain that to them and tell them. And really, that's all you're doing. But a lot of people get scared and worried because they think that people just want to come in a group they don't want to be sold to. Well, we're not selling to them. We're just helping them to find a solution. And then once we know we've done that with as many people as we can, then, of course, they can just stay in the group and soak it up whatever they want. But we just want to make sure that everybody knows where they can find help if they need it. Yeah. Yeah, I really like what you said about goal setting, because I think you're right. I really agree with that. And I do it in my business where when you set a really tangible goal, a smart goal, if you like, a lot of people be familiar with that. You, it gives you a focus. And so it focuses your content. So if I know, if I've made a decision that I want X amount of new members, I don't know, my mastermind, or I want X amount of tuition clients, it just focuses my mind on the conversations I'm having and the content I'm putting out there. So I think that's a really valuable tip. And so I wanted to just reiterate it. You said something there that I think is uh, something everyone struggles with. And that is that as you grow a Facebook group, naturally there tends to be a real bulk of inactive members, or at least they seem inactive. And you mentioned earlier about there's no point in having people kind of who are inactive. But then at the same time, what I've experienced is that sometimes, although they're not interacting and participating, they are watching. Um, And I find that on social media in general. So, but I think it's a difficult one to call because you feel like you're putting all this effort in. You've got some people who just are never, ever responding, but they might be taking, taking, taking. How, what's your advice around that? Should you every now and again, get rid of inactive members? Should you leave them in there? I know that it may not be fantastic for the algorithm to have them in there. What's your opinion on that? I, I think it's okay to say, if you don't want to stay in the group anymore, I'm going to be talking for the next month. I'm going to be talking about this and this is what I do. And and this is the stuff that I share. And if you don't want to be in here anymore for that, or, you know, pause the group or whatever for a bit and come back to us in a month's time, or, you know, I'm I'm good with you, with anybody leaving, coming and going, that's all fine with me. Um, What I don't love is when people say, you know, if you don't put your name down here, we're going to remove you. And, you know, often they don't. And often it's just bit of a bluff and it just doesn't feel nice and it feels like you're just calling people out and making people behave in a certain way and I don't love that I don't think people should have to behave in a certain way people should not have to comment in your group it is our responsibility to encourage conversation our fault if nobody comments in our group we have to take it on the chin it's up to us it's not the algorithm it's not you know it's down to us we have to change things we have to do something different we have to make a catalyst that something happens um but you definitely don't need all of the people engaged all of the time but you do need to have a group that is engaged um otherwise it it, you know it just dies flat and and you will very quickly feel negative about it if nobody responds to you ever and if you're not seeing a flow of people through it like new people coming in some people leaving absolutely um but different people commenting it, you, it needs that flow. So it needs to feel engaged as a whole, but it doesn't need everybody to be engaged all of the time. Yeah, good answer. 
Yeah, I think that's a great answer. I think something that I, I will just kind of add to the conversation in general is that I know a lot of tutors in particular. So I'm not talking about businesses in general or education businesses, but tutors in particular who they do all of these things. They work really hard. They do all of the right things and they still get nothing back. And, you know, my my what my experience has been with running tuition Facebook groups is a you have to decide whether it's worth the effort so you have to look at your results the actual results not engagement but how many actual clients are you getting because like you said it's a business activity the second thing that I found was that I used my Facebook group because of this reason I used my Facebook group almost like a secondary platform so I used it as a place where I said that when you join this group this is what you'll get so they knew exactly why they should join and whether they shouldn't join and it was a captive audience and I was really selective with who I let in. And then what I found was that people were watching, even though they weren't engaging, but it was a long game. So where on other platforms, it was a bit faster. For instance, my Facebook page, people were inquiring all the time on the group. It was like a secondary little push. And I found that really useful because some people were connected me with me on both and maybe what I was putting on my Facebook page wasn't quite enough, or maybe a conversation I've had with them wasn't quite enough to help them make that decision whether they want to work with me. The Facebook group in that situation did the job. So I wouldn't say that I got this massive return on it, but it was enough for me to feel like it was worth my effort. And I think that that's a really big question you have to ask yourself, that you can do all the right things, but depending on who your audience is and what their expectation is as well, um, it's deciding whether the effort's worth it because in the tuition world, there are simply so many Facebook groups where people just provide stuff for free. And so it's almost like there's a culture where people have been trained to just expect that. And if they're not getting that, they're not interested. And that's a really hard thing to shift unless it's a group effort, unless it's a groundswell. So since you can't control that, you can use it. You were talking about a sales process. You could stretch that out into using it as part of your funnel instead of a slick, quick sales process as such. Would yeah. you would you agree for someone who really has tried absolutely everything and it's still not getting them those results? So I'm going to say that unless they've had some training, they won't, they will be missing a trick on something, you know, that something will be, and and more often than not, it is that they will be focusing too much on the niche because what happens is, we we panic so when we when when the group's sort of not working we panic and we go into overdrive of give 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 yeah. because we think that's what they want and um we also go back to the thing that we feel most confident with which is the thing we trained for and i, I should have said in the beginning i was a secondary school teacher so i totally get all of this and the third thing we do is um we are very uh, because we're very giving, we start to do things that we think they want and not what we need. And so the whole thing just becomes distorted. And actually, you kind of need to do the opposite. You need to focus on yourself, talk about yourself, do what you need, look after yourself first, like put your own mask on first. And when we get in the mode of we think this isn't working, nobody's commenting, we do the complete opposite and we throw everything at it. And then that makes them more passive because then they just sit back and they think, whoa, this is all just coming to me. This is nice. 
or they stop showing up because they know that on a Friday at five o'clock, you're going to go live and you'll and you'll be there every Friday because you've said you will be. So you've committed to something. They know you're going to show up. So they just like hang back and then maybe think every now and again, oh, I'll just see what's going on in there. Or they just forget because they start to hang back. But it's the same as education. You need to find your style. You need to find the thing that works for you. For a lot of people, a lot of people that I work with, Facebook groups work. But for others, you might find that you sell better and you have better conversion rate on your page or on an email list or an Instagram. And yes, I teach Facebook groups, but um, you need to know and work out what your sales process is. So you can get people in the get people in the Facebook group, but it might be, and I have two large groups that run just for this. It might be that you just use your use your Facebook group, as you said, as your funnel to grow your email list because your Facebook group is a great way to grow an email list because yes. your third question is usually let's, you know, do you want my email list or do you want my freebie? So even if your group isn't, doesn't feel like it's working for you and getting traction, sometimes just use it for the email list. Or if you know that you are, you're just not selling great in your, um, in your Facebook group, it's just not, it's not working for you. You're not getting the flow of conversations. Um, I mean, that is something you can learn, but you're not getting the flow of conversations. Then, um, you know, I ask people like, how do you like to sell? Cause at some point, if you're running your own business, you're going to have to tell people what your paid offers are at some point. Um, and some people will say, well, you know, I, I like to just message people and have a direct message or voice note. I have like a 10 minute free call. I have, so I'm like, well, good, brilliant. Now we know where you like to sell, how you like to speak to people. From the Facebook group, we, we spend a lot of your conversation time directing them towards that. So if you're not comfortable and it doesn't feel like it's working, then get them to somewhere where it does. Get them to download a freebie that's got a fantastic email sequence that you've written that then has links to buy things and upsells and you know whatever it is you want to do. But use your Facebook group as a part of that. That's a slick part of your sales process that feeds into your business, not just a place where you go and you just have chit chat with people. Yeah, I think that's really good advice is deciding on the purpose and the role that it plays for your business. I think that has been something that has really helped me. So whether it's you want to grow your YouTube channel, your email subscriber list, whatever, it really alleviates that pressure that I think people feel that I must get sales, I must get sales. Oh no, I'm not getting sales. That means I have failed. No, it just might not be the right place for you to make sales, but it might be the right place for you to achieve something else that does lead to sales. And I think something, this is a trap I fell into when I first started Facebook groups. I think I started them about four years ago. Um, and that was that I treated it very much like my normal social media profiles. And I very quickly learned that that doesn't work. And I think people do that because it's on social media. So they just think it's social media marketing. But I think the way I distinguish is that when someone connects with me on my Facebook page, Instagram, LinkedIn, wherever it might be, they are agreeing to connect with me. They want to hear from me about what I offer and so on. But when they join my Facebook group, they are agreeing to join a community. They're not agreeing to connect with me, even though they know that I'm the group leader. Um, and I can see you nodding your head. So I assume I'm on the are along the right tracks in terms of what you teach as well. But here's a question. So it is separate to your profile and they are agreeing to join a community. So, but you were saying earlier that you need to talk about yourself and people want to get to know you. 
And if they're connected with you on other platforms as well, and they're already getting to know you on other platforms, how can the Facebook group fit in with that? Because, um, you know, I've always seen it as something where my job is to start and initiate conversations more than necessarily posting about myself. So I get to know people in a slightly different way through conversation rather than here's me with my dog on a, I don't have a dog, but you know, you know what I mean? Like rather than those kinds of posts. I don't have a dog either. (laughs) Dog posts do really well. So you're absolutely right. And there's no right or wrong about what you should post. I am not the person to talk about content. Um, I'm going to give you ideas for content because I think it's useful to have somebody else throwing a load of ideas at you. But I am not a massive fan of content. It's not something that I teach because I don't think that Facebook groups should rely on content. I think they should rely on discussion. They should open up conversations. So anything that opens up a conversation is good. And when I look in people's groups, sometimes I'm like, there's just nothing here I can get involved in. You're not giving me anything. It's feeling very flat, very functional, very readable like a resource, but it's, I, 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 there's no hook. Uh, I could scroll all night and this is nice stuff and this is lovely, but give me something that I can just really quickly within five seconds of reading, reply to and get involved in. So it's anything that starts a discussion. The other thing that you uh, talked about was, um, so in a group, we want it to feel like uh, a community and we absolutely do. And the thing about a community is that people want to be in a space where they know everybody else in that space feels the same as they do, has the same struggle going on in the background. So they might want to be in a tutoring space where they know that everybody else in there is a parent of a five to seven year old who is just not grasping phonics that's the space they want to be in they don't necessarily want to talk about the struggles of that all the time they don't necessarily want to listen to a load of stuff about phonics they just want to be in a space where they know that everybody gets what's going on in the background for them yeah that's different to you know putting up like resources and and just being this platform that talks about phonics all the time it's it's deeper so I describe your group as being like a behind the scenes to your business like they it should have it should have unique content if it doesn't have unique content um there's no need for them to be in there so if it's similar content to what comes out on the email they don't need to be there they'll work that out quite quickly as well oh I saw that on Instagram so you need to make sure that what goes in there is original and for me it's just very organic if you're walking the walk talking the talk if you are tutoring a client today you will have something to say, even if it's just uh, like I did just now. This is exactly what organic content is. Um, just before this call, I had my washing machine finish and I thought I could definitely get my duvet out on the um, on the washing line before I start this call with Samantha. I can definitely do that. And even if as a tutor, they're like, you know, talking about things like that. Like I had, I had a call, it was seven o'clock and I thought, oh, I could definitely get my washing out before seven o'clock. You know, who else cuts it fine with with jobs and, and sort of, you know, and, and if they talk about that, they're talking about tutoring, but they talk about real life stuff that parents or carers or people who are in that group will get. They've done that. We've all done that. We've all thought we could squeeze in one more job before, you know, the thing that happened at seven o'clock. So, 
but that's not necessarily something that you're going to put or write an email about or put on your Instagram or something like that. But it's the thing that you can make your group feel special with that kind of content because you just you just shared it with them because you felt like, you know, like I've just shared it now. Like I literally was. It's real. It's honest. I was literally thinking, yeah, I can definitely get this out on the washing line. Um, and then I nearly spilled a cup of tea doing it. And then I thought, oh, why do I do these things? Because then I'd have to clean up the cup of tea. Uh, but it's that that makes the connection and that makes it real and makes them think, yeah, Zoe's the person for me because she can talk about that kind of stuff with us. And, and this is a nice you know, create a place that's nice for them to be in that feels real. It is a real relationship, the same as any other relationship with everybody else. It is not a weird online space. These are real people, real lives um, who just want to hang out and think, is Zoe the right person to teach me about Facebook groups? Is Samantha the right person uh, to kind of book in with tutoring? And once they start to feel and match up more connections, like, yes, she was trying to, yes, there's this, oh, she goes there, oh, she does this, this kind of thing happens, she talks about that, oh, that would definitely happen to me, the more they think, yeah, I'm in the right place. And then they want more of that, more of being in the right place. And then when they are ready, or they have got the finances, or at their wits end with their child and homework, who's the person they're going to turn to? You. So essentially, I suppose what you're saying is make is make that connection, which I think applies everywhere. You know, you want to social media, regardless of which platform you're on, is a one to many relationship. You are one person speaking to many people. What you want to convert that to is a one to one relationship, individual relationships. So when you are talking about things that are relatable, whether it's talking about your washing or whether it's talking about I've talked about overwhelm as a business owner. And some advice I've given clients, advice, you know, I've given myself, what do you do in that situation? I'm still talking about experience of being a business owner, but I'm not necessarily talking about something I sell, but I am showing people that I get it. I am in your position. I understand. And I think that relatable content is definitely really useful. Now, I think I know the answer to this. I know what I advise my clients, but I'd love to hear from you. You, when you're talking about, let's take that duvet example, you've just talked about the duvet, maybe you've talked about other things that are happening in your daily life. I understand the concept of making a connection where people feel really connected to you and they feel like they have something in common with you. How do you then marry that up to sales? How do you then bring in the sales conversations when you have just been having a load of personal conversations? It can mm -hmm. feel like a stark difference. It can feel uncomfortable. So how do you merge the two? How do you blend them? Yeah. Okay. Well, this is, that's definitely what I teach, but um, there's a few things there. So one is those types of posts, like me putting the duvet out as people would call them sort of engagement posts. Um, and the reason I like to have a variety of real things like that is because those are the safe, easy. And as a teacher, you want those safe, easy, non-judgmental types of things that everybody can get involved in. If I, you know, you, I, I treat groups very much like a classroom. And, you know, if you go straight in, you've got a class and you go straight in with a, you know, a, a hard GCSE question, you're not going to get many people put their hands up to join in. But if, you know, if, you, if you're getting some lighthearted stuff and you're chatting about what happened at the weekend or, 
you know, who saw that thing on the news about that crazy person that did that? Wasn't that hilarious? Or um, I'm off to Harry Potter World at the weekend. Who else has been to Harry Potter World? All sorts of kids in the class can join in with that conversation. It's not tricky. It's not hard. Nobody's going to laugh at them if they get it. You know, all of those things that go through children's heads. Um, And then suddenly they're in and they've had a little conversation with me and we chatted about Harry Potter world. It's nothing to do with education, um, nothing to do with the lesson, but they're in and they're, they're feeling more comfortable. And maybe next time they might put their hands up and maybe next time they might join in a bit more and then they might go, do you know what? It's, it's kind of all right in here. I feel safe. I feel like this is, I feel like we've got a connection, me and Mrs. McEwen and it, it's okay. And she's nice. And, and so that's why I do those kinds of posts initially because those are the those are the ones that mean that everybody can be included it's not always possible the thing that is your niche will sometimes put people off will sometimes polarize people because that's the thing that they're struggling with and when you're struggling with uh, you know a child that just isn't getting it at school and you're arguing over the homework and that's the real struggle. You'll read the stuff, but you just like, oh yeah, this is me, but I just can't get involved in this conversation because it's just too real and raw. Um, but talk about duvets and I can do that. And then the conversation. So the the bit that is the thing with the conversation is that you need to be genuinely interested. If you are genuinely interested in that person, and you give it time, what normally happens, and this will be the the thing for most people, what normally happens is um, you're too quick. You just like, you're rushing, you're doing a social media rush and you want to like, yeah, okay. Yeah, I know that. Yeah. And then gone. Um, And that is not making a connection. That is replying to somebody that is not. So asking more questions is always the answer. And if you get a natural flow and you get good, and I do have systems for doing this, but if you get a natural flow and get good at those conversations, it will be honestly really weird sometimes to not say, you know, when you've listened to somebody and they've told you how they're feeling about something, it would be weird not to give them the link to something that you know is going to help them improve that, even if it's a free thing or I've got a podcast episode and you should always be thinking, where is this conversation going? So from putting out your duvet, uh, rushing around, da, 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 you know, doing that kind of stuff. Um, and I've said like seven o'clock at night and someone's gone, oh, my God, that's me. I totally do that. You might just, you know, just whatever comes into your head, you might say, you know, yeah. And, and how many times have you made yourself late? So you want to be interested and ask another question. So you get a response and they say all the time, I am always late. And then you need to start. And I have this thing called the third comment rule by the third comment you need to bring it back to something which is relevant to the focus of the group. So by the third comment, if you are still chatting with them and sometimes, and people are going to go, what? Like we're still talking. Why would they want to be talking to me? Because they like that the owner or the host of the group is interested in them. They genuinely do. It's not something to be feared. You are not wasting their time. They chose to join the group, not you. You, you didn't force anyone in here. So by the third comment, you know, I want you just to be saying, um, you know, so, you know, do you ever make yourselves late for school? So you bring it back to something that's related to school, to children, to something that, you know, is relevant. And then they say, oh, my God, we're late to school all the time. And then you say, how old's your child? 
how is school going? And by the fourth, you know, you're in then, you've asked them by the fourth comment, you've said, how's it going with your child? And honestly, that you, it takes practice and there's there's different ways to do that. And it is the segue that people think, oh, that's weird. Um, but once you get in a rhythm with it, it's weird not to. Yeah, it's true. A lot of it is practice. And I think something something that I talk about a lot when I talk about social media in general is treat it as though you are in person. Would you do that in person? So if if someone says to you, hi, Sam, how are you? And I, I wouldn't just say fine. I would I would say, yeah, I'm good. Thanks. How are you? I would ask a question back. Whereas I think so many of us behave in a totally different way on social media. For instance, we might put content out there and then do nothing. We don't engage with anyone else. In real life, if you said something, let's say you're a business networking meeting or something like that or a party, if you said something, you wouldn't just say something and then stand there in silence or walk out of the room. You would have conversations with other people. And I think that when you apply that principle of what would I do in person, it becomes so much more natural. It becomes so much easier. It doesn't feel like, you know, I I hate the word algorithm. Personally, I do not like because I think we put too much focus on it. I think that we can in many ways control the algorithm ourselves just by engaging, by doing all of the things that come naturally. And they do come naturally because we are all humans. Even if you're an introvert, you would still say, how are you back to somebody? You would still say that. So I think, you know, I think that's really good advice that you've said. I think that's probably the most valuable thing, actually. The fact that you need to have conversations. That's the heartbeat of a community, isn't it? It's discussion. Um so, Zoe, thank you so much for sharing so much valuable information. You've been really generous. How can people work with you? They can find me on Facebook. <laughs> What's the and name of your Facebook group? We'll, and if we can't, we'll blame the algorithm. <laughs> um, growing an online community. Lovely. And I'm in there. I think it's a great group. And I think that I think the useful thing about it is that we can see you putting your money where your mouth is. Everything that you talk about you do, you practice and we can see how it works in real life. That in itself is is learning, isn't it? So you've got a great Facebook group. Thank you so much, Zoe. Um, and I hope to be in touch with you about the podcast again soon. I'm sure there's more we can talk about around this. Thank you. Would you like to take this discussion further? Perhaps you have some questions or you'd like more ideas on tailoring your business. If so, book a free discovery call through the link in the show notes.